Well, good morning. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. I didn't know whether I'd make it or not. I uh, had to go to the emergency room yesterday morning pretty early. My wife was good enough to get up and take me. And <clears throat> they checked me out and said there wasn't anything wrong with me. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, I had a headache, and I not, uh, you probably don't understand this, but I've, I never have headaches. But I did have a headache and couldn't sleep. So uh, not only that, but I had, I had some feelings of, that I just felt like I needed to go get a checkup, and they checked me out and gave me a, uh, uh, gave me a CT scan and, and turned me loose, and I went home. But I'm still not feeling up to top shape this morning. <laughs> Thank you. I hardly ever get a compliment like that, but I certainly appreciate that. And, and let me say at the beginning of our lesson this morning, it's really good to have our visitors, and it's already been said we got a lot of people out today. We're we're coughing and hacking, and and uh, uh, some of us has had the flu in the last ten days, and and some are not over it yet. And I took the flu shot, but I had something. I don't know what it is, but uh, they checked me for the flu yesterday and said I did not have that. So anyway, thank God. Praise Him for a wonderful day that He has given us today. And it's good to have you out at the house of the Lord. I'll be, I'll be talking to you this morning out of the book of Romans for our Sunday school lesson. And let me say again, it's really good to have our visitors today. Uh, Miss Allison and, and Richard and Alicia and... Hope and pray that uh, it'll be a good day for the Lord, and we come down here to we come down here to worship Him and study the Bible and to hear the Word of God preached and proclaimed. And, and you know, uh, God is permanent, and we're not. We're not permanent. You and I did not come here to stay forever. Now the Bible says. That we, will, that we will be somewhere forever, but not in this state of the body we're in now and not, on, and not on this earth forever. That's what the Bible says. So what we want to study about him and see if we can learn a little more about what the Lord would have us to do. Now we've been, we've been in the book of Romans and as I've already stated, we went through the, the first part where uh, Paul was congratulating the church at Rome for their faith that they'd been heard throughout all the world, and he was uh, and he was congratulating them on their their faithfulness for God. You know, we sang a song. We sang a song a while ago. Great is thy faithfulness. God is always faithful. Man may not always be faithful, but God is always faithful. So since he's faithful. And since we're not here forever and ever, we study about him and try to figure out what, we, what, what he wants us to do to please him. And uh, so Paul, as I was studying, Paul went through that uh, discourse and he told them, he came to the place where he said in chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
That means me and my folks and you and your folks. And, uh, and that's not, that's not uh, to offend anybody. That's just telling us what God is like and what we're like. See? And, and he talked about depravity. Uh, and and I, I get on that pretty often, you know. And, and depravity is what it means that when, when God looks at man as we are, he does not see any good in us. Does not see any righteousness. Now don't get me wrong. Don't leave me. He loves man. And he sent his son to die for man. See? Well, why did he send his son to die for man? Because we were out of the way. We were out of the will of God. And so we find all the Bible relating that. And Paul told us there in uh, chapter 3 that there's none good, no, not one. And he went ahead and went through chapter 5 and he made this statement. He said, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Now what that verse means is that it does not matter how bad a person got. The grace of God can reach them. The grace of God can reach them. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, and we, and we have some we have some examples in the Bible. We have we have a fellow that Jesus came uh, came across in his in his dissertations called Legion. And Legion was uh, he was uh, uh, obsessed with the devil. I mean, he cut himself. He would had no clothes on. He run through the tombs, and uh, when and when he saw Jesus, he ran up to him and say, "Are thou come to torment us before our times?" That was the evil spirit speaking in him. But can I say to you this morning that even that man, depraved as he was, he came to the right place. He came to the right person, and. So Jesus healed him, commanded the devil to go out of him, and, and what did the last, what did he say about that man? He was clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and in his right mind. That's right. So, so you know, when we, when we talk to the world today, uh, there's kind of a debate going on as uh, among mankind, am I good enough to go to heaven? Well, the Bible declares that in our own self and in our own flesh, we're not good enough to go to heaven. Not me, not you, not anybody. See, we have sinned, and we've got Adam's sin nature about us. And when we grow up, get a certain age, and maybe some very young, maybe some older, we choose to do bad things. A lot of people even choose their moral things. But, but God is still on the throne. And he said, come unto me, all you that weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see what I mean? So now this morning, I am progressed into chapter 14 of Romans. And Paul is talking to the church about how church members should act. And, uh, and I want to say this, 
do not take what Paul says in 14 as being a way you can start living right. You, you can turn over a new leaf, start living right, and you'll finally wind up in heaven because he is talking to church members here. The Bible expects church members to live moral lives. See? The, the Bible tells us to do that. Now, it takes a definite <clears throat> management style on you for yourself in order for us to do that. See? Because our nature is one way or the other. Our nature is to go away from God. All right? So, in, in chapter 14, now, I want to back up two verses so I can lead us into this chapter. <clears throat> Y'all forgive me, my voice is not too strong this morning. Okay, let's look at chapter 13, verse 13. Let us walk honestly in the day, not riding and drunkenness, not chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, one man said, is he talking to Christians? And yes, he is. Yes, he is talking to Christians. See, make no provisions for that. Like I said a while ago, we have to manage our feelings. We have to manage our doings. We have to manage things in order to please God. See? Now, and I think I hit on this a little bit last Sunday, but let me say it again. If I'm a member of this church and I go out and you see me doing something that you know is immoral, what are you going to think about my Witness for this church. Now that's important with churches. That's really important. What do people do? What do they what do they think of me? What do they think of this church? See? Now if they see me doing something immoral, well, their immediate thought usually is well, there's nothing to that bunch down there. They just gang up on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night and, and have a little get-together, and, and they're as worldly, worldly as they can be. But, but the Bible instructs you and I to live according to the goodness that's taught in the, in the Bible. Else, you know, we're just somebody in the world. And I'm afraid many church members are like that today. See, I'm not here to, to uh, criticize anybody, but I've just noticed that uh, through, uh, as I walk through life. So if we go to chapter 14 of Romans now and read some more instructions for Christians to do, it says, <clears throat> Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. What does that verse, what is, what is that verse implying? Young Christians that just, that just get saved. Now we believe that you're, 
We believe that you're born again, like John 3.16 tells, and we believe that you are renewed. You got, God puts the Spirit in you, His Spirit in you, and causes you to want to do right. But, but people that get saved, especially if they have not been raised in church, they have no doctrinal understanding of what the Bible is teaching. So, so he is telling Christians here, be careful how you judge young Christians. Now, I've been around people. I've been around church people. And they expected, they, they seem to expect young Christians to know what the book of Revelation talked about. And you know, they can't do it. They can't do it. So you have to, uh, you have to cultivate them. It's kind of like, kind of like your children. The Bible says, train up a child the way that he would go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And I had a person tell me, say, I've, uh, uh, my kids are, are unruly at church. They were, they were small kids. And he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, the Bible didn't say correct them once. It said to train them. So that's what you got to do with young Christians. You have to train them. And thank God for that. I mean, I, I suspect you and I would have got thrown out. If people expect perfection out of us, wouldn't we? You see what I mean? So, so we are supposed to, we're supposed to bear with them. Now, it does not mean, does not mean that they go away from God and, and you know, they get into the real bad habits and all that, that we just keep on, keep on putting up with it. But it means that we teach them according to the Word. And the best way to teach is with the Word and by example. All right? All right, verse 2, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. We got any of that among us today? <laughs> we, got, we got people, I, I guess they call them vegan, vegans. I don't know. I'm not very versed in that, in that culture. But that's what, that's what we got. <laughs> okay. But if they're weak, uh, they eateth herbs only. See now, now I like, I like a good steak. <laughs> but I also like potatoes, and I also like cabbage. But but in churches, there has been things done and said that has caused people to be divided. So Paul is teaching churches here to bear with one another. Really? Now, I'm going to say this to make a point. Really, if you and I knew each other, our habits that we do, there would be some things we disagree on. Sure, but we're not supposed to have a fit about it. See, 
Chris wears a tie when he speaks. As soon as he gets down, he takes it off. I don't do that. But I'm not going to have a problem with him if he wants to do it. Your fuzz is getting in the way. Verse 3 says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let him which eateth not, uh, let him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. And, and, and the next verse says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. And it, it took me a while. I'm confessing to you now. Okay? I'm confessing. It took me a while to understand that verse. I mean, we were raised uh, way back in the sticks. And uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't do everything just like we did, well, there was something wrong with you. And I was raised kind of that way. But you know, when I got out away from home, and got to look around, I, I come across this scripture. Who are thou that judgest another man's servant? See? What he's saying there. <clears throat> yes, the pastor and the teachers teach the word of God. And the pastor expects us to live by the word of God the best we can. But, we cannot, we do not expect everybody to cross every T and dot every I just like I do. If you do that, you're going to have problems. And I've known, I've known young preachers that had problems in that area. And when they had problems with people, with people doing that, they, uh, they had problems with their church and the, and it got, it would get, it would get out of hand. Let me say it that way. Okay, he goes ahead. In verse five, says, "One man esteemeth one day above another; another esteemeth every day alike. Let let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind." So you got to be, you got to be persuaded. Now, what is your persuasion? Now, that does not mean. That does not mean that God accepts me and everything that I do. Right. See, because David, when he got caught up in, in the problem he had with Bathsheba, the man of God came to him and confronted him. And he gave him a parable of a man with one sheep, little sheep, and another, another great man had many sheep, stole this one little sheep and, 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 and prepared it for his company. And David was irate. And he said, Let, he said that man shall not live. <clears throat> All right. What was the next thought that the preacher gave him? Thou art the man. So, so we're, David was in transgression. And the preacher 
had to straighten him out. And the Lord sent him to straighten him out. So we had, we see there that that's what we're talking about this morning. Who are thou that judges the mother man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike, that every man be fully persuaded his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, eateth not and giveth God thanks. So, what is this scripture saying is important here? What's important? <clears throat> Whether I eat like you do, is that important? No. But whether a man gives grace to God, gives thanks to God, that's important. Right. You see what I mean? All right. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. What's he, what's he teaching us there? We consider each other. We consider each other's welfare. We consider each other's faith. See what he's saying here? Really, this lesson, this lesson is about a church being in fellowship. See? Now, if I want to put up my spyglass on Brother Chris... Say, boy, if he don't live just like I think he ought to live, we're going to have problems. If I do that, we're going to have problems. You see what I mean? Now, we're not talking about a church member that goes off into sin. We're not talking about that. We're talking about differences in our habits. You see what I mean? All right. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. I want to remind you again, Paul is talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to everybody. And he went ahead to say, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. See? And, and Jesus Christ is Lord to the dead and the living. See? All right? But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it naught, thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we got to the place now where, we, where, where Paul wanted to get us. So could I say this to you this way? This chapter today is on Christian behavior. It's on Christian behavior. And it is, do we 
do we please the Lord? See what I'm saying? So we see here. So that everyone shall give an account of himself to God. Well, I skipped a verse. Let me, let me write back up to verse 11. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So that's the way we ought to live. That we're going to give account to God. Not give account to me. I don't matter. What, what am I going to What can I do to you for you in, in the end of this life? So we see here, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to have to quit. I'm not... I've, uh, I've gone to the length of my strength this morning. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit right there. I think I had about 15 more minutes. That brother, brother Bell might have some comments that he'd want to say. It's really kind of a good, <laughs> a good place uh, as far as comments go, uh, and a good place to be here. <clears throat> as we uh, get to know each other, it's my third year here, um, you know, in this holiday season, some people regard Christmas in different ways uh, based on, you know, their backgrounds, and that's where a lot of a lot of, uh, brother, you know, our habits and our, our ways are, uh, and then I'm still, I'm still rethinking Christmas, <laughs> still learning about Christmas. I was raised, because um, I talked about a day and regarding a day, I was, I read and I was going to try to, to verify that it was talking about fasting days uh, that was put in the Bible as far as eating and regarding a day. But uh, the carryover here, I've been in churches where, you know, the preacher gets up and they don't do anything with Christmas at all, zip, zero, none. Uh, there's a preacher in Georgia that I was preaching with, actually, in a meeting uh, in Chattanooga, and uh, it's the first time I'd heard of anything like that. Uh, he brought out the scripture in Jeremiah where, you know, uh, the heathen cut down the trees and brought it in and, uh, you know, nailed, nailed it together and... And uh, basically, you know, and it's, if you look at, at history, there was tree worship. That's why in the Old Testament scriptures, the cutting down of the groves 
because they were using the groves as in idolatry, trees, groves of trees in idolatry uh, against, the, against the one true living God. And, uh, you know, and then so I grew up in a, I grew up, uh, my parents divorced when I was five. My dad was Church of Christ. My mom was Baptist, and I was a mixed-up kid. And growing up, because every other weekend I was in one of the other churches, and so my dad and and his and he and then once he married my stepmom, they they never looked at December the twenty fifth of December or anything to do around Christmas time regarding the birth of Jesus Christ. They just did you know the gift giving and the holidays and the red suit fella and. Uh, they just did it that way. Whereas my mom and and the Baptist churches that they've been in, uh, they kind of mixed it up. You know, they we had the Christmas play in church, and you know we put the towels on our heads, and uh, you know did all that good stuff. And then uh, at the end of our uh, church service, our, our our Christmas play, then uh, Santa Claus would walk in the back door of the church. <laughs> And hand out the presents that the Sunday school classes had uh, drawn names for. So I was a little like mixed up there. Then as I got older, then uh, I raised my family to the it's no Santa Claus and uh, at all. But did we did regard and look to um, Christmas as being the uh, you know at least, at least recognition because we know he's probably not born in December. But uh, recognition of of the the birth of Christ, and we we raised our children that way, and had the tradition on at least somewhere in December twenty fourth or twenty fifth. I would take the Bible and read Matthew's account and Luke's account concerning the birth of Christ. And there's a lot of questions, I've, and I as I was reading. <laughs> Some things is today and learning the background of Christmas and how that uh, heathen worship and heathen uh, festivals and things like that has been mixed in with Christianity through the year, through the years to give us what we have as modern day Christmas. So as we go about mingling and mixing and based on what was said this morning, mingling and mixing and maybe explaining what we do as as church folks around Christmas time, then, uh, you know, take into account what was said in the first part of the Sunday school this morning. Uh, you know, um, some people regard today, some people don't regard today, some people look at it one way, and I'm still learning, I'm still rethinking. I've come out and told Lisa some of the things that I was learning. She's like, so is it wrong? I'm like, well, <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, this come from this, and this come from that, and this come from that, and we all mix it up, and we have modern-day Christmas. So I'm thinking where I stand, re- rethinking where I stand on things. And uh, even though, you know, this week, uh, we, as soon as we got back from Thanksgiving, we started decorating. You know, we've got a snowman tree in the house. We've got lights on the outside of the house. got two wreaths hanging on the house, and uh, so on and so forth. And... Um, like I said, I'm still learning, still thinking. But uh, keep in mind and don't like, don't get to the place where, as, it, as he pointed out there in uh, verse number four, you know, be persuaded 
You know, there are some clear-cut do's and don'ts in the Word of God. You know, thou shalt and thou shalt not. That's easy. There's some gray areas. And we've seen, like I said, things mixed up. I brought a lot, some of that into example. There is, um, I was in the Navajo Nation back several years ago, back 20, has it been? Let me think, it's been several years ago now. When Obama first got to office, I was in several churches in the Navajo Nation, uh, good, solid churches, um, Navajo pastors, Navajo people in the churches. And uh, we went one Sunday afternoon, the, the pastor of the church, a little mission church, took us just, we just drove like mad to get to be able to see it and then drove like mad back for an afternoon service. And that was the Hopis, the Hopi Nation among the Navajo Nation. Navajo Nation covers four states and is the size of West Virginia. Hopi Nation is a little teeny tiny area within the Navajo Nation. And, uh, you know, the idolatry that was among, you know, the, the Hopis that he was pointing out, the, the Navajo pastor was pointing out among the Hopis. But then he also pointed out the, the, uh, the uh, earth worship and the fertility worship and a lot of things among traditional Navajo uh, and American Indian, if you want to put it that way. I know that's not a term that's proper these days, but um, the, the Native Americans, I guess we'll do it that way, the, the worship that's there. And, and I, I learned something from the Navajo because the, the Southern Baptist churches going into the Navajo Nation thinking that they were doing right. They learned of the Navajo ways of worship and the Navajo traditions and things like that, and they tried to mix Christianity with the traditions of the Navajo. For example... The Navajo traditionally lived in hogans. There's still hogans out there, still buildings shaped like hogans, which is a, a, a circular type shape, and they always have the door pointing to the east. And uh, that, and then there's two different types of hogans. There's a male hogan and a female hogan based on the construction of the of the of the building, and uh, it, it spoke to fertility. And then having the, the, um, the doors always facing to the east, uh, I've seen, uh, I seen a, a video about uh, some uh, Alaskan natives pretty much the same way. They had, a, uh, they had their houses built in a circle, and the chief, you know, they were all pointing to the east. All the doors pointing to the east. Well, the sun come up. Anyway, all that being said is the Southern Baptists went in there as missionaries, you know, and they think, well, you know, it's just the shape of their house. So we'll build our church buildings the shape of a hogan. So we'll mix in their tradition with Christianity. But these independent Baptist preachers that were, they say, we don't do that. You can't, you can't mix Christianity in with heathenism, idolatry, exactly what it was. And again, that's how a lot of the... These things, like a lot of the things that's crept into Christmas, has brought in some through the Catholic Church and so on and so forth. But a lot of we're just talk, we'll just talk about the Baptists today. A lot of times, Baptists will pull things in, not thinking of their symbolism and not thinking of their their origins. 
you know, and they say, well, we'll just pull it into our worship, you know, and so there's some ignorance in, in things. And it goes back to what he said in verse number one, him that is weak in faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. You know, don't, we coming in, let's not fuss about things, let's, that's that disputation. Receive one another as brothers in Christ. You don't live to your, none of us liveth to himself, none of, no man die to himself as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's not fuss about things, but let's seek the scriptures, search out the scriptures. Let's learn from the scriptures, learn from each other, and then if, if a person doesn't fully, totally understand and see it, maybe the way that you understand and see it, you know, just realize that they may be, like it said there in the beginning of this chapter, they may be weak. <laughs> All right? And it might take a little time. They may be a new Christian, like he said, where, where they're still on the milk. <laughs> They're, they're, you know, they're, they're still on the milk of the word. They're still learning. The Holy Spirit is guiding them in all truth, and they should have a spirit of uh, to seek the truth and to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then as God gives them the understanding as a, as a, a Christian growing, then maybe one day they'll see it. But to get in and just fuss and carry on, you know, about things, uh, just like I said, a day, a food, you know. Uh, I know a, a Baptist preacher, well, there's one, Lester Roloff, through the years, he had some girls' homes, some boys' homes down in Texas, down in the Corpus Christi, Texas area. And a lot of his come from his bout with cancer. He actually got cancer. He heard from... Somebody that has uh, was taking cancer treatments or taking the Old Testament uh, uh, dietary law that was given to the children of Israel, and they were incorporating that into a cancer treatment. They're saying, look, our food is killing us. So Brother Roloff started going after, it was called the Hallelujah Acres diet, and uh, God cleared him up of his cancer. So then he got to the place where he was in his girls' homes and boys' homes, and he was taking in drug addicts, and he was taking in, you know, alcoholics, those that was, you know, in prison or headed to prison. He'd take into these men's homes and women's homes and boys' homes, girls' homes. But he incorporated, and he, he based, started out with a diet that he chose himself to, to, uh, participate in for his health and to help get rid of his cancer, which it did. It turned into, if you were in a roll-off home, you couldn't drink coffee, you couldn't eat catfish. You, I mean, the whole, I mean, everything that the Old Testament scripture said about the diet, he incorporated into, into, his, into his homes, which, I mean, obviously it helped children of Israel to, to live healthy and, and many times, but he, he forced that upon them. And then, of course, when pre people would hear him preach and he'd preach along those lines, you know, there's Baptist churches, Baptist preachers that like coffee, amen, 
and, <laughs> and catfish, hallelujah, and shrimp and all that other stuff that the Old Testament people couldn't eat, but he would bring people in, they would sing, and one thing or another, there was some obvious disputations along those lines, you know, and so, so some people just uh, took it off and as, as somebody was weak. Either we were weak because we continued to eat uh, our catfish and, and bless uh, and thank the Lord for it, uh, or he was weak in the fact that he had taken what he had started out for his physical, personal physical healing, and then he forced that into his children's homes and things like that. So there's been, there's, there are people out there like that, and there are churches out there. As we interact with other churches, maybe we don't necessarily, you know, see it the way that they do one thing or another, but we just got to take into account, like he pointed out, that the Romans was written to the church at Rome, to the believers at Rome, and then we need to be persuaded. Do you know? Search the scriptures. You know, here, I mean, there, like I said, there are some straight black and white thou shalt and thou shalt not in the scripture. Other things, it's like, you know, we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in us as a believer, He leads us into all truth. We have understanding and discernment through the Spirit of God. Pray for wisdom. The Bible says if you pray for it, that he would give it to you. When some of these gray areas come out, where do you stand? Am I weak because I've put up my lights? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> am I learning? Yes, I am. What will I what will next year hold? Because I'm not taking them down this week. <laughs> when I put them up for the season, will they come out again next year? If they do, it might be different. I don't know because I am seeking seeking this for me. I am, how's it put it? I am um, being persuaded within myself. All right? So when we come across some things that we all, even in this particular people and representative here today, when we cross some things, don't just like count them out to begin with. Pray about it. Look, search the scriptures about it. Pray and, and seek the Lord about it. And then be fully persuaded in yourself about it before you just say, oh, that person or all oh, that bunch, they're kind of crazy down there <laughs> or whatever. Just take some time, listen, find out what it's talking about, be fully persuaded within yourself and just be slow to judge another. We are going to all stand before God. And that's another thing, too. If it's clear black and white and the preacher preaches it and it's clearly in the, in the Scriptures, you're going to stand before God. I am not going to be, you know, you're not going to stand before me. You're going to stand before Him. And this is the book He's going to judge you from. So line ourselves up with the book, and then we will be good at the judgment seat. All right? Anything that's out, not in the book clearly or strays from the book or takes away from God's glory and His honor because He just said we're going to bow to Him and we're going to confess to Him and the fact that I like what it said there, verse number 9, for this, uh, no, let's see, verse number 10, for, but why dost thou judge thy brother or why dost thou set at naught thy brother for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ 
For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So, And then, so then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So there, when we talk about the whether God incarnate, what was, was Christ was God, right there in verse number 10 it says Christ. Verse number 12 it says God, same person. Christ is God. Came in the flesh, we're going to talk about that in the preaching hour today. <laughs> so there's my extra thoughts there, finishing up Sunday school.